Next one is fatigue. Um, cancer can cause anemia and it's causing an increased metabolic demand. The person just doesn't have as much energy as they used to. Cachexia. The cachexia is that loss of, you know, the inability to maintain enough nutrients. And uh, we think it's mediated by TNF-alpha, tumor necrosis factor alpha. How many of you have ever had the flu? And when you had the flu, you had it for, say, four days, five days. And during that time, you just didn't want to eat anything. Like, you, were, you, you might have felt hungry, but you made, like, a bowl of soup. You had, like, one bite, and you're like, this is disgusting. I don't want this. Or you might not have had any appetite at all. That's what happens to people in, in cancer. They just have no appetite. So at the same time, they've got increased metabolic load. They've also got protein breakdown, and they've got more blood flow going. And it's going to, it's going to interfere with their albumin, clotting factors, immune system, and cause anemias. So the reason for all that is they just aren't getting enough food in compared to the amount of metabolic demand. Yeah. Uh, it could be a clue. If you have someone who's got all of these problems, that might be a clue that they're having something else going on in their body. All right, so let's take one quick look at this again. The person has got increased metabolic load. They're, they're using more energy and more stuff. But nothing tastes good, and you just don't feel like eating. So what will happen is your body will start breaking down its own proteins to feed your cancer. So as a result, you don't have enough protein left to make albumin. You start becoming edematous. You don't have enough protein to make clotting factors. You start bleeding. You don't have enough protein to make antibodies. You get infections. You don't have enough uh, protein to make new blood. You become anemia. So all of this goes back to not getting enough food in to maintain metabolic supply. Well, I mean, that's one of the ways cancer kills a person, yes. Say again? I'm not sure. But, I mean, toward the end, she was like 70 pounds. So probably part of it, yeah. Definitely, definitely put her more at risk for it. Tammy Faye? wife of, of Jim Baker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and people say, why don't you take the makeup off? And she said, I can't. It's tattooed on. Just remember, today's makeup may go out of style. Well, I don't know. All right. Um, this slide right here is showing the amount of the amount of, tu of tumor cells versus the size. So a thousand tumor cells weighs approximately one microgram. A million cells weighs one milligram. One milligram. Now, how many of you have ever taken um, an aspirin or a Tylenol? How many milligrams are in a Tylenol? 325. So imagine breaking that little pill up into one 365th of it That's a million cancer cells. Then we have um, one gram is a billion. So a gram, now, this is about the part that we can detect. That's going to be maybe about half a centimeter big. 
We can actually find this now. So uh, you've already got a billion cancer cells before we even know you have cancer. Um, so this is where we're going to try and diagnose you, but you're not, you might not be symptomatic yet, or you might have very few symptoms. Then as you get up to about a trillion, that's where a person begins to die around a kilogram. Now, I'm sure you've seen on TV, like the Discovery Channel, or, where they have like some person who weighs like 500 pounds, and they've got like an 80-pound tumor on them. and Very unusual. Most people, by the time they get to a kilogram's worth of tumor, they're dead. Right. It was a tumor. tumor. Yeah, that's very unusual. Most people, by the time they get to about a kilogram, they're going to be dead. And um, the key here is what we want to do is detect early. Early. The earlier we can detect the cancer, the better our chances of treating and saving the patient's life. Clinical manifestations. We've already talked about anemia, so they're going to have the four classic signs of anemia, fatigue, pallor, dyspnea, exertion, and dizziness. Um, I know there's only three up here. I'm evil. Thrombocytopenia is going to have low platelet counts, more likely to bleed. At the same time, low clotting factors, more likely to bleed. They're going to have decreased white blood cell counts and decreased decreased, uh, antibody production because of the decreased protein, more likely to have infection. So, repeat after me. Patients with cancer. Tired. Bleed. Infection. Tired, bleed, infection. And if you remember the three types of blood cells, you should be able to remember that. All right, now, how do we treat cancer? Well, we can cut the cancer out if we know where it is. What's the problem with cancer? It tends to spread. So sometimes, next thing you know, you're like, hey, I'm down to the bone. There's nothing more I can take. I've taken the whole thing out now. So sometimes it's so invasive that we really can't do surgery. Or if we do surgery, we might not have caught it all because maybe it's in the lymph nodes too now. So if we can't get it by surgery alone, then what do we do? We try and kill it through either drugs or radiation. Now, radiation can be delivered two ways. We can either focus radiation beams onto the area, or we can give them a drug that has the radiation in it. So in the case of thyroid cancer, what we do is we give them little beads of radioactive iodine. Those radioactive iodines are taken up into the thyroid, and then the radioactivity kills the thyroid. Now, in terms of chemotherapy, what we mean is drug therapy. Now, most chemotherapy targets high-growth cells, so cells that are fast-growing. So, in terms of side effects, what do you think you might get? The death of other high-growing cells. So, what other cells in your body grow quickly? Stomach, any epithelial cell, hair, skin, blood. So all of those cells that grow quickly will also be targeted, which is why a person might lose their hair in cancer. It's not because of the cancer. It's because of the chemotherapy. Now, here's the cool thing. 
you don't have to lose your hair necessarily. If you're very, very gentle with it, it might not fall out. Because it's actually the follicles that are being damaged. So it's not, it's that the follicles are damaged and then it becomes easy to pull them out. It's not that they just necessarily fall out. So some people can actually get through chemo without losing the hair if they're very, very gentle to the hair. I guess it could give them something to work toward. Um, now, we can, use, we can give chemo either single agent or in combination. Which do you think works better? Combination. Which do you think is uh, more, more toxic, potentially? Combination. But what we can do sometimes with the combination is we can give lower doses of both drugs. So even though the combination works better to kill the cancer, it might be less toxic to the person because you've got lower, lower doses of each individual agent. Now, see this right here? What does this say? Kill before we kill the patient. So the chemotherapy will kill the patient if we keep giving it long enough. The idea is to kill the cancer before we kill the patient. So chemotherapy is poison. It will kill the patient unless we can kill the cancer first and then stop it. So usually what we're going to do is we're going to give rounds of chemotherapy. So the idea is that at any given time, only some cells are dividing. And only the cells that are dividing are going to be killed by our chemotherapy. Does that make sense? Because it targets highly dividing cells. So if you have cells that are just hanging out, they're not going to be killed, which is why we have to give multiple rounds. So here's, here's kind of the idea. We give the first round of chemo, that's the green, and the, uh, the, cell, the red is the cancer. So it kills some of them. Then in between the, time of, uh, in between the time of giving chemo, some of those come back, but then we give another round of chemo and even more of them die. Some of them come back, we give another round, they die, comes back, they die, comes back, they die, and eventually all the cancer cells are gone. That's what's supposed to happen. This green, these are your normal cells. So hopefully, in between each round of chemo, what, what's happening to the normal cells? They're completely recovering. That's what we hope for. Sometimes they will come down along with the cancer cells, and that's regrettable. All right. Uh, okay, surgery. Surgeries, we have three different types of surgery. We have local surgery where we cut out the tumor. Then we have what we call sentinel node surgery where we remove no lymph nodes near the area and check to see if there's any cancer cells inside of them. And then we have what we call a debulking cancer, which is we know we can't cure this, but we just want to reduce some of the size to reduce that metabolic load on the patient. So the idea is reduce symptoms, not cure at this point, just reduce symptoms. You can also give hormonal therapy. Some, some uh, cancers are highly uh, reactive to hormones. And then immunotherapy. You can try and enhance the immune system so that it kills the cancer. And here are some of the possible approaches. Um, I don't think you have any questions about these, so talk about them another time. Side effects of cancer treatment. Almost all the side effects of cancer treatment 
are related to killing high growth cells. So, um, yeah. Now, in addition to that, we're also going to get a lot of GI tract side effects. So, patient might have nausea, and uh, some of the some of the chemo drugs actually stimulate vomiting directly. So, you give the drug, the person goes. Bleh. So, what do we do to that for that patient before we give them their uh, chemo? We give them anti-nausea medications. Stomatitis is mouth sores, and that's caused because the epithelial tissue is being damaged. Thrush. Thrush is being caused because we're, the patient has a suppressed immune system. They're going to get overgrowth of yeast. They can also get diarrhea um, from, a, from the uh, chemo. Anorexia. They already didn't feel like eating because of, the, because of cancer, and now I made them nauseated on top of that. They really don't want to eat now. And then malabsorption. Because you're having destruction of epithelial tissue, sometimes it destroys the ability of the gut to absorb the food you do put in it. So those are GI side effects. Other side effects, bone marrow suppression. Remember, b uh, blood is rapidly dividing cells. So you're going to get the anemia, the leukopenia, thrombocytopenia, and more of the words you were supposed to remember in combination with those things. Anemia, fatigue, pallor, dyspnea on exertion, dizziness. For leukopenia, you're supposed to remember infection. And for thrombocytopenia, bleeding. Hair and skin can uh, slough off, lose the hair. Reproductive tract um, can actually destroy a person's gametes, sperm or eggs. So sometimes they will do what they call gamete banking which means before you undergo your chemo, you do your sperm donor or donate some eggs. Then after you're done with the chemo, then you get artificially inseminated or in vitro fertilization and then implantation. Secondary tumors. Chemo can actually cause other cancers. That kind of sucks. But it can happen. What we would love to happen is this right here. Remission. Remission is when the cancer cells either shrink or stay the same. Then the word cancer survivor, what does that mean? This person has survived for five years or longer. How many years? How many years? Think you can have a test question on that? All right, the major drug classes. Um, cytotoxic drugs, drugs that kill rapidly growing cells. These are very dangerous. They have to be handled with special gloves because they can actually hurt your, your own hands. They also um, have to be given in a central line. You can't give them in a peripheral vein because it will kill the vein. You have to dilute it in a central vein. Um, methotrexate is a really old drug that's used quite commonly. You'll see a lot of that if you go to a cancer floor or if you go to a rheumatology floor. The other one is steroids. Steroids can actually kill cancer cells directly. They can decrease the nausea of, of chemo when you give it along with other anti-nausea drugs. And they make a person feel better. They reduce the pain. They stimulate appetite. And they stimulate um, a sense of well-being. You just feel good when you're on steroids. And food just tastes much better. 
Oh, the other thing that can stimulate appetite for uh, cancer patients? Marijuana. Because what's one of the side effects of marijuana? The munchies. Um, so we actually have a drug. We have a drug version of marijuana called Marinol. And we'll talk more about that next semester when we talk about anti-nausea uh, drugs. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah, right. Done with that. Diagnosis. Lump or swelling is a big, a big uh, red flag. A sore that does not heal. Sometimes you'll have someone who, who sunbathes a lot and they'll have like a little kind of crusty, scabby area that they just had it for like six months and it just doesn't heal. Red flag for cancer. A recent change in a wart or mole. Unusual bleeding or discharge. So discharge from breasts, from penises, from vaginas, from rectums, from eyes, from sweat glands. You know, unusual bleeding or discharge. Um, changes in bladder or bowel habits. One of the big ones here is you have to go all the time all of a sudden because you've got a cancer that's growing into the bladder. The bladder is much smaller now. Um, having to go more often to the bathroom for uh, bowel habits or a change in stool size. Do like this. Now do this. Okay. We call this a small caliber stool. The stool is smaller because it's being extruded. So how many of you have ever seen those Play-Doh commercials where you like put the little Play-Doh in the thing and you go and you have different shapes? Okay, that's extrusion. Now, as the if you have a cancer that's fairly close to the rectum, it can actually become the stool can actually become extruded by that mass, so you have thinner stool. So one of the things that has to be considered is if a person's having bleeding in their stool or if they're having a, a change in their caliber. And what we say one of the number one causes of GI bleeding in our country is? Well, aspirin is one, and what's another? Colon cancer. So anyone who has... Um, Anyone who has uh, iron deficiency anemia and rectal bleeding needs to be checked for colon cancer. Um, nagging cough or hoarseness, lung cancers, throat cancers, and then difficulty swallowing or dyspepsia. All right. Diagnosis. The persistence of symptoms. That's the major thing. Things don't get better. Cancer markers. We're going to check the blood and we're going to look for those cancer level, those cancer chemicals. Identification of a mass. We can do this uh, usually through radiology, things like x-rays, CTs, MRIs, nuclear scans, and PET scans. Or we can visualize it with a scope, colonoscope, colonoscopy, endoscopy, cystoscopy, bronchoscopy, etc. In order to confirm cancer, the gold standard is biopsy and cytology, which means we're going to look at it under a microscope. Okay, we are almost there. Like four minutes, we'll be done. Leukemias. We're going to talk about blood cancers, and that will be it. So, leukemias are blood cancers. There are four types broken down into two subtypes. We have chronics and acutes, and we have myelogenesis and lymphocytics. Now, which do you think are worse in terms of symptoms, chronic or acute? 
What's worse in terms of anemia, an acute anemia or a chronic anemia? You guys are getting all kinds of questions wrong. <laughs> acute is worse than chronic because the symptoms come on suddenly. Your body does not have a chance to adapt. So acute is going to be more severe than chronic. Acute is going to kill people more often than chronic, unless we can treat it successfully. Um, so chronic are going to typically going to be slower onset. It's going to take a longer time to develop. The patient's going to have a chance to adapt to it. Now, this slide you do not need to memorize. It's just here to show you all the possible ways that blood can turn into cancer. So, there's a lot of different ways. All right, acute lymphocytic leukemia, ALL. This is the number one cancer in children. 85, 80% uh, of, of ALL is children. It is also the most curable. We have the best success at curing ALL. Um, our cure rate now is somewhere between 60 and 90%. Um, it's caused by loss of differentiation of lymphoid stem cells. So they, become, they get stuck in the dividing phase and they never stop. So you just keep getting more and more and more lymphocytes being created, but they're lymphocytes that are worthless. They don't do anything for your immune system. So eventually they're going to crowd out your other cells and uh, you begin to get anemia and infections. AML is acute myelogenous leukemia, and this is going to be an accumulation of blast cells. This is where we're going to check the person's blood and they're going to have a high blast count. Um, this is more common in elderly patients, not so common in younger patients. Now, all acute leukemias in common will have fatigue, bleeding, infection, anorexia, spleen, liver load, uh, enlargement, central nervous systems uh, like headache, vomiting, palsy, and sensory impairment. What is palsy? This is palsy. Okay, well, tell you what, you guys can go on your uh, handy dandy little unboundmedicine.com and look it up. That would be fun. Amanda, did we show you how to do the unbound medicine? Okay, I'll email you directions, but actually you have to do it from here to start. So we can do it whenever you feel like it. All right, evaluation and treatment. CBC, uh, bone marrow biopsy. Again, sedate the patient or anesthetize them at the very least, pressure afterward to prevent bleeding. Chemotherapy, stem cell transplant, what we're going to do is we're going to kill their bone marrow completely with radiation or chemotherapy, and then we're going to put new stem cells inside their body. They'll migrate to the bone and, ta-da, new, new bone marrow. Now, the problem with a stem cell transplant is if it doesn't take the person is left with no new blood being produced in their body. So then we've got to transfuse them until we can get another donor. Um, supportive therapy. So transfusions, antibiotics, and allopurinol because they tend to get gout. All right. Chronic lymphocytic leukemia is a monoclonal expansion of B cells. You just get thousands and millions of B cells growing in your bone marrow. 
they crowd out other cells. Sounds familiar, right? Rare under the age of 45. Chronic myelogenous begins in a stem cell, but favors myeloid differentiation. And so you begin to get tons of red blood cells and platelets that don't work. All right, um, treatment for the, for the uh, chronic ones, same as before, CBC, bone marrow biopsy. And for uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, treatment relieves symptoms, but it doesn't help life. So the person will die just as soon, but they'll feel better before they die. We call that palliative, by the way, another vocabulary word. Palliative means make the patient comfortable, relieve their symptoms, but doesn't necessarily reverse the disease or, or long, uh, lengthen their life. All right, last one before we go is myeloma. Myeloma is a cancer of plasma cells. What do plasma cells secrete? What do plasma cells make? Antibodies. So what do you think the tumor marker for myeloma is? Incredibly large... Uh, high numbers of antibodies in the blood. Now, what do you think all those antibodies are going to do to the blood? They're going to make it thick and they're going to clog up a particular organ that a quarter of your blood goes to every, every beat. Not the liver, but you're close, very, very close. Just go behind the peritoneum. The kidneys. They're going to sludge up the kidneys and they can cause, uh, cause kidney failure. So um, one of the things that we're going to do for a patient who has myeloma is we're going to do what we call plasmapheresis. We're going to take their plasma out of their body. We're going to remove a bunch of those excess antibodies and then put it back in their body. Kind of like dialysis, only just for the protein. Okay, um, plasma cells like to live in bones. So the patient's going to have scalable pain because they've got a tumor growing in the bone. They're going to have renal failure because they're going to have sludged kidneys from all that antibody. They're going to have infections because all of those antibodies are worthless antibodies. And eventually, the cancer will destroy the bone, which will cause hypercalcemia. So the way we're going to evaluate it is a bone scan, CTs and MRIs, and then we're going to do a chemotherapy and a stem cell transplant. Now, What's the difference between myeloma and multiple myeloma? Yeah, it's, a, it's a very obvious question. Multiple myeloma has several areas. You can think of it as a metastasized myeloma. All right, we're done.